Hey y'all, Seth Bradley here. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending your valuable time learning with us. Absolutely appreciate each and every one of you. I've got a small ask. If you'd please just take a few seconds and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from, it goes a long way in landing the best new guests for our show. That's it. Thanks again. Let's go. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. Law Nation, welcome to another episode of the Passive Income Attorney Podcast the best place for learning about the world of alternative passive investing. Today, we have one of my favorite people that I've interviewed today. Yes, I've interviewed a ton of people, but Lauren Kay has been just an incredible guest. Um, we've had some interactions before this, and she's just, you know, she light, she's one of those people that just lights up a room. I absolutely loved having her on as a guest. She's the She's a human design guide and coach. She's the creator of Legally Different and hosts the Legally Different podcasts. And she's passionate about human potential and guiding, teaching people to understand their unique gifts and strengths and how they are designed to work and live optimally. She's a former big law attorney and now a senior legal consultant and advocate of the Work From Anywhere movement. Without further ado, Lauren Kay. Lauren, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Hey, Seth. Thanks so much for having me on. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. How about yourself? Yeah, good. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, good. To, yeah, good to see you again. Really appreciate you coming on. I'm glad we're able to finally get you on the show. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, it was fab to have you on um, my podcast. So yeah, be cool to dive into some different things this time. For sure. Really excited about this one. This one's very unique and uh, it's going to be great. So let's dive right in. Tell us a little bit about your story, your background, and, and you know, take it back as far as you'd like to. Cool. Yeah. Big question. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm a former big law lawyer, I'm currently a human design coach, mentor, and I still do lawyering, but on a much freer basis as, a, as an agile consultant. And um, yeah, so taking it back further, um, I guess I wanted to be a lawyer kind of is connected to my background and growing up in a steel town in the north of England, um, very much from a working class background and kind of saw myself as um, wanting to create a different life for myself than what was necessarily around me, even though I appreciated my background and like hardworking nature and um, but I saw like going into a professional career as a success and kind of changing my circumstances. And I um, always had like an inner compass for justice and fairness and um, maybe didn't end up going into that. I followed different interests as things evolved and, and the golden handcuffs um, kind of winked at me. But um, yeah, I guess that's what what kind of appealed initially with with the legal career. Yeah, that's really cool. I and mean, we come from a, a similar kind of blue collar type of background where we, you know, we learned how to work hard, but we wanted more. So, you know, we kind of followed 
a certain career path. And then we kind of figured out, well, there's, there's some other things out there for us that, that might be a little bit better, but you had it, you said you had an inner compass for justice and fairness. I mean, that sounds like a pretty, uh, pretty good reason for getting into law. So true, <laughs> a lot of people, yeah. yeah, a lot of people don't have that. Yeah, true. Yeah. I think, it, yeah, it did come from that kind of place of like seeing things that weren't fair in the world and, you know, maybe I should have been a human rights lawyer, but um, yeah, as it happened, I became a commercial property disputes lawyer. Um, I know you're in property as well, but but genuinely like um, loved the tangible nature of property and was always really like into it. And as things unfolded, you know, in law school and stuff, that's the avenue I took. Gotcha. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about what you, you know, what you loved about it, what you hated about it, you know, working in big law and in kind of the traditional sense. Yeah, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, going back to where I was then, there were definitely things I loved about it, especially initially. Um, I think I loved like being initially responsible for things and doing real things, like what well, what I would call at the time real work, like working on you know real property issues, for example, and being trusted to work with clients and like seeing things happen. And then I loved at the time like the networking side of it, like I'm a real people person and yeah curating um, relationships with people and and all the networking stuff I absolutely loved and all yeah that kind of stuff and then it just got to a point of realizing where is this going like um for example I remember a couple of times that like I as a junior lawyer brought a client into the firm but then and I thought that was great and it ticked some boxes but then I didn't get anything from that and I contributed so much and I just had all these realizations like they actually don't care like I care but they don't care and I think it was like the first entrepreneurial whispers I ever had because it planted the seed well I could put this energy and time and effort into something of my own and then a few other different things in the mix um little soul nudges all along that I wasn't quite in flow and just felt resistance at certain times and like always had to work hard and um, and then like looking up the ladder and not really being truly inspired by what I saw, like, oh, is this what I'm aiming for? Um, and I worked with some great people, of course, but I wasn't necessarily inspired by the lifestyles as such or, yeah, and I'd always considered myself an ambitious person and wanted to get to the top and the best in the early years. And then like later on, I started to question that and think, is this really what I'm aiming for? Really? Is that success? Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like more of a, a kind of a slow burn for you uh, rather than kind of like this, just one light bulb moment or just like you saw a thing here and here and there. And you're like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then it kind of just built up over time. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's a good description. And I think initially these what I now call soul nudges, but I didn't know they were then at the time. I just thought, oh, I don't know. The first one that I had newly qualified. Oh, it'll get better once I'm one year qualified or two years qualified. It's just because I need more experience or, you know, it will just get better. And then it never did um, until there was one one more of a light, a light bulb moment where I was like, oh, no, I need to make a change. <laughs> Things need to yeah, shift big time. Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that, especially not just attorneys, but a lot of people out there that have kind of a traditional career path where they're just like, you know, a lot of time it's money. I mean, it's it's like, okay, well, uh, I stay another year, I get paid a little bit more and you're like, okay, that's nice. And then you kind of, you lose that high and then you're getting a little bit unhappy. And then you're like, oh, you got a little bit more of a raise. And it's just kind of that dangling carrot that just kind of keeps you going and you stay with it. And you kind of just try to 
turn a blind eye to, you know, these things that are maybe, you know, telling you, Hey, maybe you're not on, maybe you're not happy doing what you want to do. Yes, exactly. Definitely. Yeah. So was there at the end of it, was there any kind of like, just, you said a light bulb moment that was finally like, okay, I've, I've had it. I'm done. I'm going to go out on my own and figure this thing out. Um, yeah, I can't remember one thing that kind of tipped me over the edge. It was a culmination of all those things, I think. But I suddenly thought, I, I just need to quit. Like my answer was, was completely quitting, which um, for me, I'd never been that spontaneous. I, you know, quote unquote, done all the right things. And but I just got this major urge to quit. And that was the path for me, not trying another firm. I just, something inside me just said that would be, you know, same shit, different shovel, basically. Like I needed to change things up in a big way. Um, so, well, I made a bit of a savings plan, stayed for a little while and then left and went traveling. Again, this was super spontaneous. I'd never done like the travel thing um, beyond, you know, well thought out holidays and things. And really that was my pivot major pivot period and and so much has changed in my life since doing that um I walked away from the legal career thinking I'd probably never be a lawyer again who knows what's in front of me but this just feels so right to have a complete break and take stock um uh I guess I didn't realize it at the time but I was definitely close to burnout I didn't I didn't recognize those things in me but now I realize I was I think I've probably saved myself from a huge burnout experience, but I think I'd just come to think some of those things were normal. It's normal to feel a little bit anxious about going into work and starting your day and, and all these different things that came up. But anyway, yeah, I went on this, on these travels and um, one of the places I visited during these travels was Bali. So this is back in 2016 and that just, change things for me entirely on so many levels um it was the first time I came across quote-unquote digital nomads people working and living in paradise and working yes from their laptops remotely and as I got I fell in love with Bali and could see myself living there I thought oh why do I live here how can I make this happen how can I work online and initially I thought hmm you know, what really are the options? But I was so committed to making it happen um, that, yeah, I did make it happen. And back then I ended up living in Bali on and off for two to three years. Um, I did, I worked in legal tech initially. And then um, actually, then again, as a lawyer, I came across this forward thinking boutique firm in London, who I still consult for now, who are completely happy for me to be a lawyer working from Bali, doing it on my own terms, however much or little I wanted to work. I thought, wow, this is amazing. I had walked away completely from the law. I was building my own things on the side at this time as well. Um, just thinking I'd never be a lawyer. Who knows what's in front of me? But then suddenly the prospect of being a lawyer came across again. And yeah, it was kind of confronted in different ways. But then it made me realize, oh, it wasn't the law that was ever the problem. I quite enjoy it. It was my desire for freedom. And that's another thing that that whole period taught me, like all the inner development work I did just by taking a break and being in places like Bali and speaking with new and different people from all around the world. I realized that I value freedom so much, but I built a life before that not based on freedom at all as a value. I didn't even I couldn't have told you what my values were, really. 
beyond you know being a nice person or working hard I don't know but um and so that's really anchored in the importance of like understanding yourself knowing your values and like creating a life like work from the inside out get clear on those then build out the life that you want um because I think so many of us you know are nurtured to look at external versions of, of success and things like that and work from the outside in so that was a key realization um that I've kept with me I've been through lots of different pivots and transitions since then and hey the journey continues but it's something I always come back to like revisiting my values and because they can change as well the definition of freedom my version of freedom is is a bit different to that even then so like continually checking in with them yeah there's so much to unpack there it's it's ridiculous um (laughs) I guess the first thing I would ask is you know what what was that original change like kind of going from going into the traditional office every day and then kind of switching over to being a digital nomad and being in Bali and working from there and working from wherever you want. What was that transition like? I think a lot of, a lot of folks out there fantasize about that. True. I think because it happened sort of organically and it wasn't like a plan, like, Hey, one moment I'm going to be working in London in a big shiny office and tomorrow I'm moving to Bali and doing this. It like happened organically through like different experiences and like, like I aligned to it really from the inside out if that makes sense so it never felt like oh this big thing even then maybe when I shared it with other people it seemed like more of a big deal but I guess there were a few things to get to grips with like you know having good tech realizing you know the importance of good tech and being more mindful of time differences for sure particularly with like the legal work I was doing um other things are a bit more I don't know free and flexible but um yeah, getting to use to different time zones, um, like Bali is eight hours ahead of the UK. I've done a few stints in Mexico, which is seven hours behind the UK. But it's just, I think if you're committed to making something work, there's always solutions. And when you're working, like the people I worked for back then in Bali, they wanted to make it work. They just saw it great, you're ahead. So maybe you'll, you'll, you'll be ahead in terms of this work or whatever works for you. Um, and then the other thing getting used to was like, I mean, it wasn't something to get to used to. It was one of the things I fell in, in love with Bali in particular about was working from co-working spaces. Like I had been used to like working from a shiny office, which I didn't resonate with. And back then it was before, you know, the last couple of years where working from home and wherever has opened up a bit, but it wasn't even, it was like a big deal if you needed to work from home because the plumber was popping around. Like just not working from an office was not like something I'd ever contemplated. And suddenly I'm there and there's these cool co-working spaces with all sorts of varieties of seating and, and nourishing food available. And yeah, it just kind of not, wasn't something to get used to, but it like really opened my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely opened your mind up. Right. I mean, I, I know the first time I traveled abroad and I stayed at hostels and stuff like that. So you met people and it was the first time I had experienced folks that were just traveling. I mean, they were just like, they didn't have like an end date for their travels or, you know, they were staying at the hostel and they were like, you know, I just got stuck here. I just decided to stay. I was traveling the world and I just stayed. It's like, what do you mean you just stay? Don't you have somewhere to be or somewhere to go back or like a job or school or something? And that was eye-opening for me too, just seeing people just kind of living a freer life Mm -hmm. (laughs) than I had even imagined. I, I, I think that's kind of the same kind of discoveries that you had definitely yeah like that you can go with the flow a bit more and surrender I think 
really and I've learned about I've learned this about myself I I needed to yes surrender a lot more and go with the flow but equally I do like some some like a routine and structure so it's like finding the balance between the two right right yeah and you you mentioned earlier about kind of understanding yourself discovering yourself um, a lot of times if we're, we're working at a big law firm, we don't have time to discover ourselves. We don't even have time to ask ourselves those questions. Like, I, I love that you said, you know, if, if you had to describe yourself, you'd be, oh, I'm a nice person and I work hard. It's like, yeah, that, you know, tell me about yourself. Well, yeah, I guess I work really hard and I'm nice to people. I'm a good person. You don't, if you spend all those time, all that time building hours, you just don't even have time to just sit down and think with yourself and your own thoughts and just kind of discover who you are. Exactly. And like, it takes a lot to do that deep work, even if you have extra time, you know, when you manage it, doing all that work and all those hours, you just want to chill around it and not necessarily do this like deep work, which actually can be quite, you know, provoking at times. Yeah. Yeah. And then one more thing I want to touch on when you were, when you were talking is about, you know, you becoming a lawyer again and doing that attorney type of work and you thought you'd never go back to it, but, you know, given that you're in a different situation in a different place in your life, it wasn't actually the work or being an attorney that you didn't like. It was the situation that you're in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And this comes back to your phrase, practice when you want to, not because you have to have I got that right, which I it. love. And really, I completely resonated with that when I read that, because it really does sum up the experience I went through. It was never the law as such and then like being an advisor is the circumstances around it and I crave more freedom and to work on my own terms. Yeah, definitely. Let's switch gears a little bit. I want to jump into human design and, and kind of what your current business look like looks like. Um, so maybe just tell us what is human design? Yeah, yeah, definitely. One of my favorite subjects to talk about. Um, so it's quite a wild system. Um, and one reason I love human design, so I've touched a few, a few times so far on the importance of knowing yourself, but that can be so hard because you know, we're being all these external versions of how to live life and being successful have been, have been thrown at us, all these external blueprints. And human design is like a map of who we are, like a blueprint of who we are. It's like our energetics and genetics. And it gives us this framework of who we are, our gifts, our strengths, how we're designed to make decisions, optimally work, interact with other people. And um, for anyone listening, actually, I'd encourage you to go and get your own human design chart up because it might put a lot more of this in, into context and you can find out your own type, which we'll get onto. So you can go to www.mybodygraph.com, enter in the details and, and your chart will come up and you'll see it looks like a wild. Yeah, it's like a body graph with lots of numbers in and, and colors and things. And that is like an energetic and genetic makeup of who you are. And it's made up by, um, I'm really into what some would call like the more woo-woo mystical things. And it's made up by a fusion of lots of different systems from the woo-woo to the tangible. So it's made up of astrology, the chakra system, the Chinese I Ching system, um, quantum physics and genetics to create its own system. Um, so yeah, that's a little intro into what it is. 
Yeah, I encourage folks to go to that website and check it out and, and type in your info and, and get that. The first time I did it, when you told me to go, it was really interesting. I was like, what is this crazy? It looks like a piece of art that it spits out. And I'm like, what is this? Um, yeah. It's really interesting when you start diving into that. Um, so let's dive in a little bit deeper. Um, you know, what, what are the five archetypes? Can you tell us a little bit about each one of those? And Attorneys, doctors, passive income seekers, I'm talking to you. I remember investing in my first passive real estate deal, the anxiety, the uncertainty of what I didn't know and what I had never done before. It was a lot of money being wired to someone I barely knew. Now, it all worked out, but that's not always the case. I would have never invested in that same deal today now that I have the knowledge and the confidence to know how to invest intelligently. And now with a combination of uncertainty and a flood of newbie sponsors in the market, how do you find the true experts that will perform and make your investments successful? For those of you out there looking to learn how to invest passively in syndications, we've been behind the scenes working on something very special. You don't have time to go through a six month course or to try to make a program designed for deal sponsors work for you. You want to be a passive investor, focus on your career and your family, but add cash flowing, appreciating commercial real estate investments to your portfolio so you can practice when you want to and not because you have to. We've built a powerful passive investor program designed to teach you everything you need to know, but nothing that you don't. It's a four week program, but if you really want to make moves, it can be completed in just a few days with ongoing support as you make your investment decisions. Passive Income Pro is enrolling now with a very limited number of seats for each cohort, so you can get the hands-on attention that you need. Go to PassiveIncomePro.io to learn more. Yeah, absolutely. So the entry point to human design is knowing your type, and there's five of those. So it's sort of like finding out your like astrology sign, like the entry point to kind of knowing who you are and there's other components which are key to know, which we can go into. But yeah, the starting point is your energy type, archetype. And um, yeah, I'll run through each of those. So the first type is a generator and they are 40% of the population and they are really here to be, they're like the life force. They're the doers, the creators. They've got a huge in engine, huge battery pack, and they're really like the doers. And um, one thing they can get drawn into because they've been like nurtured as our worker bees, they've like built our world. They can get really drawn into like people pleasing or doing things that don't light them up because they're so good at the doing. So the key thing for generators is, does this light me up? So in human design, we all have a strategy to follow, like a personal strategy like you'd have in a business and something called an authority, which is how we're designed to make decisions. So with those in mind, it's key for generators to think, oh, does this light me up? Is this a hell yeah or a hell no? Um, the next type, I could, I could say so much about each, but I'll try and keep it as brief as possible. The next type is manifesting generators and they're around 30% of the population and you're a manifesting generator, Seth. So they are, so everything I've said about generators applies except for they can go much faster and they are more like more multifaceted, more multi-passionate. They can spin more plates and that's like what is energetically aligned for them. 
And you typically see that manifesting generators have been conditioned to think there's something wrong with them, like being interested in so many different things at once or starting something and not necessarily want to finish it. But that is their gift. And they are here to follow what lights them up as well. And yeah, they're really here to be masters of many things and spin many plates, um, which I see coming through you, Steph, definitely with the different things you're involved with. Um, and a famous example, actually, of a manifesting generator is Tony Robbins. And generators and manifesting generators, they're like big energy. So when, a, when they walk in a room, you can feel, feel their presence. So this might be on the more of the woo-woo side for some, but I'm here for it. But we, we all have like an aura, which extends about six feet outside of us. And uh, generators and man-gen aura is like, if you could see it, it'd be coming out like this. It's just like pow, pow, pow. And everyone can feel it. Yeah, um, I think you can visually see that with Tony Robbins when he walks down the stage. Yeah, you can, you can actually see it. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. Um, so just a final point on both of those types. It's so key for you to do what lights you up because you have that that power. Other people can feel you. Um, that also affects other people's energy. So the more you are lit up and doing what you love, the more you're like sprinkling those that good energy around as well. Um, so focusing on filling up your own cup. Um, and then the next type is projectors. They are 20% of the population. This is my type. And they are really here to be like the guides, coaches, leaders, teachers, CEOs. And it's not to say that you can't be any of those if you're another type. I don't want to put people in boxes. This is just to give a general view of each type. And they don't have the engine that generators and manager, manifesting generators have. So they need to be really mindful about where they're spending their energy. And a couple of their gifts is really their, the lens that they see on the world. They have unique perspectives and they're here to like make things more efficient. They're really good at working with systems, creating systems, seeing how things could be made more efficient because they have less energy. They are here to work smarter, not harder. Of course, other types are, but like really innately in a, in a projector, they need to because of how they're built. So they're also great at creating those efficiencies in other things. Um, and generally projectors and gen generators and manifesting generators work really well together. Um, like projectors are great at like guiding the generators and manifesting generators. And, and then they can also feed off their doing energy. So they often work really well in a team. Um, and then the next type is manifestors. They are about 7% of the population. Again, they don't have that like engine, that life force, like generators and manifesting generators. So they also need to be mindful of their energy. They're like the typical leaders that we've known, um, like leading, I don't know, armies across nations to conquer new worlds and things and making the worker bee generators do all the hard work. Um, so the key thing for like manifestors is kind of using their power and like stepping into like a higher consciousness to guide with their leadership. And they're really like the ideators, the creators, um, the starters, the initiators. And one thing I haven't mentioned, actually, or I touched on, we all have like a personal strategy. And I think we've all been nurtured to like initiate, hustle, start things, reach out, cold call, but actually only manifestors have the strategy to initiate the rest of us have quite more passive strategies 
Um, for generators and manifesting generators, it's to respond. For projectors, it's to wait for the invitation. I was kind of getting a bit more detailed, but happy to dive into them later if you want. But manifestors are the classic initiators, the ones who can cold call, who can, you know, do things for the first time. So they really are, are kind of like two true leaders and trailblazers. And often they can feel like, um, like they need to ask for permission to do things, but they're not here to ask for permission. They're here to be unapologetic and do what they see or feel is right. And if people are on board, they're on board. If they're not, they might get on board later, but if if they, if they don't keep going anyway, you're here to kind of like lead a new way. And then the final type, really, really rare is reflectors. They're only 1% of the population. And they are, if you're looking at your body graph, a reflector has all of their centers open. So you'll see that some of your centers are colored. A reflector is entirely open. So they're, they're like really sensitive to the world. Um, they take on the energy of the world and their gift really is their, like, there can be a really amazing like temperature check, uh, evaluator, like maybe sitting on a board, evaluating and observing things. Um, and they're also very chameleonic. They could be around like a photographer and want to be a photographer and then around, um, I don't know, a banker and want to get into banking. So it's like leaning into those gifts and strengths that they have. Yeah, so that's a brief summary of each type. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So once somebody discovers kind of where they are, who they fit into, and I'm sure everybody listening before they even take the, you know, that test or that put in that information, they're, they're already mm -hmm. kind of identifying with, with some of those things that you had, you had just mentioned. Um, once they kind of discover where they fit in on in one of those five uh, types, you know, how can they utilize that information in, you know, work or business or their job or family, you know, how does that, how can they use that information in a positive way? Yeah, good question. And I'd say, the first, the first place to start is like understanding it and then secondly, experimenting with it. So when I first came across human design, like I loved it and it made so much sense to me. I really resonated to being a projector. But actually, before I got to that place, I was um, really, what's the word, like confronted because I'd lived my life as a generator up until, you know, the way I was operating operating in big laws, operating as a generator. So I felt confronted because I was assumed I was hardworking. And even though I'd had these soul nudges to like leave and, and all these things that did make sense. Oh, I'm a projector. I'm not meant to do as much. My power is in, in the way I see things. Um, yeah, it did make a lot of sense to me, especially when I started experimenting. So I'd really recommend start experimenting in little ways. So um so for example, if you feel like, let's say you're a projector and you feel like you're always starting things and reaching out to people to try and create, I don't know, good connections, but it never lands or you're sharing your take on the world, like you have unique perspectives and you give unsolicited advice, for example, it never lands well and you feel unappreciated. It's potentially because your strategy is to be invited, wait for the invitation. So because people might not be ready for your, your unique perspectives because they are so unique and people don't always want to hear them. So how can you make yourself into a lighthouse, for example? How can you shine so bright and share about the things you're involved with, but not, not to hustle, not to initiate, not to try and get people on board, just do your things regardless, 
be seen and let people invite you in. Um, for example, if you're a manifesting generator, let's say you're a lawyer and you find yourself getting so bored all the time because you're not here to do one thing. You're not here to do one thing. Honor that. How can you experiment with that? And it might, you know, it could look like doing a huge shakeup with your work and, and embracing that like multi-passionate nature and creating a side hustle, but it could be as small as ensuring you've got nourishing hobbies around your work um, to ensure, you know, to feel like you're ticking that box of wanting to do a few different things. So I think it's about just starting small and experimenting and seeing if like things just feel a bit more in flow and lead to more aligned opportunities. Um, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like kind of an alignment thing, right? Like maybe you're living your life out of like disaligned, like it's not quite right. And maybe through this, you can discover what, you know, who you really are. And exactly. you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And maybe start living a little bit more like you naturally are rather than what you're trying to force yourself to be. Exactly, definitely, yeah. Could this be used as a tool for, oh, sorry. Could this be used as a tool for, you know, could you, kind of predict how other people are uh, maybe they're this person you kind of feel that they're that person and you can connect with them in that way because you have a feeling that that's how they are yeah definitely so another great way that human design can be used is like um, um, to understand how partnerships may work well together and teams um, and yeah it's really that's a whole other layer to it and can be really eye-opening so like understanding that generators and projectors work well re really well together and that the generator will benefit from a projector's guidance but knowing that the generator's energy might be a lot for a projector and the pro projector might benefit from working from home most of the time or whatever um and yeah it's kind of like next level and going a bit more detailed but you can like overlay charts and you see how there's like numbers in your chart um where there isn't a full line so a line, a full line in human design is called a channel, which is like one of your strengths where there's a number highlighted that's, that equates to a particular gift in that area. But like if you and another person make, make up that full line together, then you, you have that strength, if that makes sense. So together, right. that could be a good sign for a particular partnership. Yeah. Yeah. I can see where you could, you know, apply this to, you know, business teams or, um, you know, your relationships uh, with each other and things like that. Um, and you can kind of fill in the, like, you can see who should work well with other people and fill in those gaps and, and complete that channel. Uh, I can definitely see the, you know, the, uh, the reasons behind this where you could apply it to different things. Yeah, definitely. And it's been used more and more in businesses by like HR with recruitment, particularly in America and like team configuration. Yeah. Just understanding how people work. Cool. Cool. Um, I know that you had uh, done it, done this evaluation on me. So maybe we'll, <laughs> we mentioned this before the show, so maybe we'll dive into yeah. to me just briefly um, and, and what your kind of thoughts are on, on what came out. <laughs> yeah. Let me just get your chat up um, and I'll share some nuggets with you. So cool. Um, yeah, it's hard to know what to pick up because um, when I do like a full session, it's about an hour and a half going through all of it. So <laughs> I'll pick up just like a couple of key things. So I've already shared with you that you're a manifesting generator, multi-passionate, 
multi-talented. So do you, do you connect with that? I do. I do. Mm. And we had talked about that before. So yeah, I, I definitely do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And your authority in human design. So this is one piece I love about human design in particular. Authority is how we're designed to make decisions. And obviously we've all been like conditioned and raised to just make decisions with our head and you end up overthinking. And yeah, our mind is a great intelligence tool. Don't ignore it. <laughs> but we also have other intelligence tools in our bodies. And your, so your authority is your, your gut, your gut response. Um, so you're designed to make decisions based on what your gut says. Like, is this a yes? Is it a no? Um, and tuning into that. Um, do you resonate with that at all? Do you think? I do a lot. So I, I will definitely dive into the numbers and the data and I'm interested in that. But at the end of the day, what, what drives me to say yes or say no is, is that gut feeling. Mm, interesting. And actually you have um, a defined mind in human design. So your head center is colored in, which is actually quite rare. Most people have this open. So it's, it is aligned for you to like do that thinking and like you have one of your gates is like on the logical side, so that left brain, but also, yeah, that great fusion of, of connecting that with the gut and listening to that for the overriding decision. And um, just a little tip when connecting with the gut, it loves direct questions with a yes and no answer. So not like, where shall we go for dinner tonight? But would you like, um, you know, Thai or Italian, for example, it like likes to respond to specific things because it's got something to respond to. So that is something, if anyone else has sacral authority, good authority while listening to like experiment with that. And it can be like, you don't have to start big with big life decisions, like, shall I quit my job? But yeah, literally <laughs> experiment with what shall I have for dinner and, and go from there. Um, I'll share a couple of pieces around like money and wealth. Um, just sure. obviously that's one of the topics of your um, podcast. There's a million things I could share, but um you have can you see that the gate number two is highlighted for you um so it's in the center um so gate number two is highlighted for you which is together if that was with gate 14 as a full channel that's called the channel of alchemy in human design one of my favorite and literally it, it's all about turning lead into gold so you have half of that and the number two on its own is very much about bringing um things into reality so if there's an idea you're good at making it happen grounded it not not just being an idea but really really bringing it to fruition and making it a reality um and that obviously in itself can you know potentially lead to lots of good things but particularly if you're connected with someone with gate 14 and you make the whole channel of alchemy turn and lead into gold well yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> um need to find that person <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and then another interesting point to flag so um i don't know if you can see so your heart center is is like the triangle on the right the smaller triangle and then yours is open it's completely white and then human design um, the heart center is connected to motivation ego and passion not necessarily about love that that's a different center so this a lot of our motivation comes from our heart center and the fact that yours is completely white says you're not necessarily here to have consistent motivation you can't be motivated at the drop of a hat your heart has to be in it 
and the heart center is, is deeply connected to material things and money in human design. So that's a key indicator of how you are designed to make money, really, not necessarily by being totally motivated all the time with all, you know, making all the goals and being really driven. It's like following, um, is my heart in it? Am I lit up by this? Um, and that's where like lots of the opportunities and what's aligned for you will come along. And actually, most people have this undefined, but most of us are being nurtured to have the goals and be motivated all the time. And, you know, where you're designed to be a bit more fluid and go with the flow sometimes and honor when you're not, when you're feeling less motivated and honor when, you know, is my heart truly in this or is this coming from the heart centers connected with ego? Is it about ego and how things look? So for you, yeah, in terms of material things and money, um, just operating with that in mind and like following what 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 you're passionate about and, and honoring your ebbs and flows will be beneficial for you. Yeah, yeah, that all makes sense to me. I mean, I, I think I'm naturally like that. I can I can feel that, but I've kind of trained myself to be more goal oriented by, you know, listening to podcasts and reading the books and, you know, taking notes and making lists and all that kind of stuff. But it's stuff that I've, I've kind of learned and trained myself rather than it just come kind of coming naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And the final thing I'll share, um, this, yeah, this is getting quite detailed because we're into the body of the chat actually. Um, so maybe I'll share one of the headline thing after this, but if you can see in the middle of your chart, you've got kind of loads of lines. Um, so the 34 to 20, the 10 to 34. Uh, I won't go into the real detail of these, but basically um, your strength. So it, where there's a full line, it's like a super strength. And these are deeply connected to um, your love for life and charisma. And the more that you like follow your love for life and ensure your loving life, the more you will magnetize opportunities, the more you'll have that more of that charismatic energy and people like, oh, what, what has he got right? I want a piece of that. And that is a strength. Like we're not, we're not taught when we're growing up to love life is like a strength and it will make you money and then lead to success if that makes sense. But that is a key strength of yours. Love it. Love it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> So with, with your clients, you'll go into kind of a deep dive into this and kind of walk them through. I, I heard you mention you'll kind of go really deep, like an hour, hour and a half um, to kind of evaluate these things. Exactly. Yeah. We'll start like a headline level and then and go deep into all of their strengths and gifts and things, um, at either at a general level or if people are particularly navigating something like a career change or, yeah, wondering how they could, yeah what like prosperity or wealth they have and how they could align with that yeah it depends on on the client really yeah but it's been really that. interesting to see how many lawyers have come forward so I've been running these sessions through uh, my business legally different so far and yeah it's really interesting to see how many people are so curious about this and using it um which I love yeah, I can see the application for it. I mean, there's so many attorneys out there that are kind of, you know, a little bit lost or questioning what they're doing, or they just feel a little bit unhappy. Maybe they think it's work. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Um, and I can see how this could really help them kind of self-discover and, and see if there's a misalignment or, you know, something that's just not quite right. Maybe it's the job, maybe it's not, but, you know, this can help them figure that out. 
Mm, exactly yeah love that and yeah it might not be the job it might be the way you're operating within the job like against the grain and external versions of success and it's all about coming back to who we are how are we made up and and like tuning in with that yeah yeah all right lauren we're gonna wrap this up but you have one last gold nugget for our listeners before we jump into the freedom four I think I just touched on it then, like the, th- the thing I've really learned from my journey is like, know who you are, really. And I know sometimes I think, well, of course I know who I am. I'm Lauren, I'm this, that, and the other, and we give all the labels, but who are you really? And understanding yourself at a deeper level, whether it's through human design, some of the modality or whatever, just knowing that can really help you create opportunities, be successful on your own terms. Love that. Love that. All right. Let's jump into the freedom four. It's time for the freedom four. What's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy? Mm, so many things, but the thing, thing I'm doing at the moment is having a cold, freezing cold shower every single morning, followed by breath work, like a particular type called holotropic breath work. Um, yeah, I love that. It kind of takes me into this deep state and, um, there's so many things I always experiment with, but that's what I'm doing at the moment. And I've been doing probably for the last few months, actually quite consistently. Cool. I've heard a few folks jumping into that. I haven't done it yet, but you know, is that similar to like the Wim Hof method, that sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Inspired by that. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, that's your challenge for today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i don't know if i can do the cold shower they love a good hot shower i don't know <laughs> yeah it's tough it's really tough <laughs> yeah with all your success what is one limiting belief that you've crushed along the way and how did you get past it um i think it has to be that success isn't defined by how hard you work um sometimes maybe working hard is a small necessary piece but maybe not um but yeah that is definitely one major piece of conditioning i i've broken through given my working class background and then that was compounded in working in big law there are many ways to success and we're all designed uniquely and it shouldn't necessarily be hard it should be full of flow and joy and yeah yeah that's a tough one to get over right i mean especially when you come from you know blue collar background you're just taught to work hard and put more time and effort in um, rather than maybe maximizing the the time that you put in um, either through working smarter or just kind of you know maybe working hard for a short amount of time um, and then relaxing and then it'll make you more productive exactly definitely yeah what's one actual step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom Hmm, good question. Um, do something to understand who you are. It can be going and looking at your human design charts, or it can be, I don't know, asking a friend about what they see in you, what your gifts are. It could be spending time alone. Like we live in such a noisy world. We're always like activating ourselves, you know, with music, if we've got some downtime or external things, like some of these things are obviously cool, but like taking time in meditation or whatever works for you or walk can be so powerful. Just have that time with yourself. Nice. Last but not least, how has passive income or just general freedom made your life better? 
oh, it's given me so many opportunities and like, it's just allowed me to enjoy life and soak it up and still work, work on the go and, but just like live life in a completely different way that I just wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Yeah. Perfect. Love that answer. Lauren, it's been awesome. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Yeah. Well, I'm most active on Instagram. So at legally different, um, you can email me hello at legally different.com. Um, my website is legally different.com. Easy enough. All right. Yeah. We'll link to that in the show notes. <laughs> Great to see you, Lauren. We'll catch up soon. Fab. Thanks so much, Seth. Ladies and gentlemen, Lauren K. What an awesome interview. I mean, so unique, right? Not something that you hear about every single day. We got really deep into some things that I've never talked about on the podcast or in my life in general. And it was incredibly enlightening. Really appreciate having her on the on the podcast today. And I encourage you all to reach out to her and go through some of these exercises as well um, to get some meaning and some purpose and some of these great ideas um, just simply by going through the exercises. Um, I know that I truly appreciated it. And all right, folks, until next time, enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.